We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Those of you joining me live on AMP, welcome. So happy to see all of you coming in here to talk Lakers versus Grizzlies to talk playoff basketball youtube viewers podcast listeners make sure you are subscribing on those platforms this is playoff time the most important time of the year so make sure you're subscribing youtube.com slash lakers nation of course over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is you listen to podcasts and those of you joining via amp well make sure you do follow the show there just find my name at trevor lane it's a great way to join the show to participate you can call in and we'll talk some lakers basketball so tonight We've got plenty of things to break down. Right now, the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors are battling it out in game two of their series. The Lakers have to wait till Wednesday to play in theirs, which is actually probably a good thing. The Lakers need all the rest they can get. Uh, we did get an update a little earlier today on John Morant for the Grizzlies. Looks like he is going to be out for game two. There is not a lot of optimism that he's going to play in game two after suffering that nasty, nasty injury. Uh, that was... Horrifying to watch the way that his wrist bent. So unfortunately, looks like he is probably going to be out of action, which means Tyus Jones would slide into the starting point guard spot for the Grizzlies. But plenty of things to talk about. I'm going to be opening up the call-in line in just a moment. We'll dive into everything. We also need to talk about this defensive player of the year situation with Anthony Davis not receiving any votes. Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies winning it. He is now the defensive player of the year. I've got a few comments on that. So what I'll do now is I'll go ahead and open up the call-in line. Uh, those of you joining via AMP, if you want to join the show, now is your opportunity to do so. We're probably going to go for about an hour tonight, and we'll uh, we'll get through the majority of this Warriors and Kings game that is on as we're recording this, and, uh, and just talk some Lakers basketball and get ready for game two. The Lakers wound up winning game one. I was surprised that they won that game. I thought for sure that was going to be kind of the feel-it-out game, and yet the Lakers found a way to get the job done and win it. Oh, I've got a number of people coming in already to the show. And let's bring on our first guest, and that is Chris joining me. Hoop Spaces has another show here on AMP. Welcome in, man. How are you doing? Hey Trevor, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'm hoping that my mic is good for you, and and I'm a huge fan of Lakers Nation. Uh, I think you guys are some of the best in the business covering the purple and gold. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And yeah, yeah. Mike sounds sounds wonderful. Probably sounds better than my mic does. You've got some. You've got a great setup there. Um, what was your takeaway from an outsider perspective? Lakers take down the Grizzlies in, in Game One. Uh, general thoughts on that game and now the situation with John Morant. All right. Um. Absolutely. So I I was actually someone who picked the Lakers to win in six, and and the main reason why is without Stephen Adams. Uh, the, the Grizzlies are just going to get eaten up in the middle, and I expected the Lakers to probably average on every game plus eight in the rebounding total. Uh, I think they were plus 11 uh, in the opening game. And and what I saw uh, was Vanderbilt being allowed to guard John Morant, which is brilliant, also freed up LeBron James uh, to actually help on the defensive rebounding, which allowed to, to get into quicker transitions, which I think picked up on the offense, which is a key uh, on that. And And with that being said, I, I thought everything has kind of gone pretty much what I thought in game one uh, until the second half. And, and then in the second half, the offense just took on another level uh, with Rui Hachimura in, in the third and Austin Reeves warming up. And then D'Angelo Russell actually gave you like a good three minutes where he didn't make a bad shot. I mean, he didn't make a good shot, but every bad shot he took, he made, right? Um, and then with Anthony Davis anchoring the defense, you know, Memphis couldn't get anything going uh and then you know job fell on his wrist uh, on his hand rather and, and flexed his wrist and if you looked at the injury real time uh you thought it probably would be extremely bad uh a lot of people thought at first it was the achilles uh but always remember uh weight pushes down you're top heavy he hit his chest first he braced bad uh, if he can't go for game two i think lakers win probably in a similar fashion you know 120 104 uh, and I think it looks good heading back to L.A. Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly the hope from the Lakers fan side of things, that the Lakers can actually take two here on the road, uh, manage to get both of them. I mean, I, in my mind, I don't want to say you're playing with house money, but you kind of are. Like, that was kind of the hope coming in was that you get at least the split in Memphis. And now you've already accomplished that. But in my mind, it's now time to be greedy if you're the Lakers and see if you can get that second game, especially if Jaw is out. Now, the Grizzlies have shown they have the ability to win games without John Morant. They've shown that over the last couple of seasons. So I don't think they're dead in the water if they don't have job. But no John Morant, no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. That all starts to add up. I think there's an opportunity here for the Lakers. And obviously, we feel terrible for John and hope that he's healthy. I would prefer that he's out there and playing. You never want to see a player injured, particularly a player of Jaw's caliber. But that did look like a, a pretty nasty one. Um, let me ask you this. The Defensive Player of the Year voting that the correct decision made in terms of bringing in Jaron Jackson Jr., giving him the award, and then Anthony Davis getting zero votes. There's been a lot of buzz about that. Not necessarily that that there was Lakers fans that are upset that Jaron Jackson won it, but just that AD didn't even get a single vote. Were you surprised with that outcome? Uh, I, I uh, was dismayed uh, <laughs> for the entire voting. I don't believe uh, Tripp. Uh, actually was the DPOY. I personally had Drew Holiday uh, mm -hmm. one. I had Bam two. I had Tripp third. Uh, Anthony Davis was actually fifth. He was right behind Draymond Green. Uh, and I don't understand why other people refuse to vote for him. Um, when he's been playing, he has been essentially a, a top three all-around defender, uh, asking to be guarding out of position into the five and then still switching on to a four, three, and even at times twos and ones. And he does it without any reticence, without any hesitation, and he gives you solid plus defense. Not like, you know, not just I'm going to 
guard my man, he impacts the game defensively. And when he's not in there, the Lakers just can't do the same thing. So to me, if you're going to give, you know, triple vote, you got to also consider AD Uh, and Bam too. Uh, It's similar to that. You can't have that quality of a defensive player as a big, who also, by the way, out-rebounds Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's also another one of my things that kind of made me dismay because Anthony Davis doesn't get credit for that. Uh, If people are wondering, uh, the reason why is a defensive rebound actually is a defensive metric stopping the offensive play of possession. And Anthony Davis happens to be really, really good at that. Yes, he does. he's just not getting the credit for it. And and that's why I was kind of upset. And the only reason why I have Drew uh, up there that high is he literally carried Milwaukee when Middleton and Giannis is out being the best offensive player and the best defensive player. And and that that you got to just say, you know what? If he was on my team, our defense is improved by like five slots just by him being on. Um, so that's sure. why he was the winner in my eyes. But Anthony Davis should have gotten close, man. It was a, tra- it was yeah. a crime. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, but I think Drew Holiday is good. I'm a big fan of Drew Holiday and his game defensively. I mean, his his overall game, I think, is fantastic. Um, but very, very surprising to see AD not get any votes there. But uh, Chris, before I let you go here, can you let let everybody know a, a little bit about your show? What what time to find it? All that kind of stuff, right here on AMP. Yeah, man, absolutely appreciate it, Trevor. Uh, I'm here every day, uh, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, until uh, 1 p.m. or till when you know the show's over. Uh, we, we, we break down everything uh, straight to the point, you know, no narratives. Uh, we, we also take a whole bunch of fan calls from across the country. Uh, we also have guests drop in uh, people like Jamal Crawford. Uh, so sometimes you'll never know. Maybe you'll talk to Trevor. Maybe you'll talk to Mike Scott. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we all talk all uh, year round. So check me out. Appreciate it. Shoot you a follow oh. too, so I can get the notifications. Sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah, guys, make sure you go check out uh, Hoop Spaces. That is Chris's show. Does a great job there. And I'd like to hop over on on yours at some point. Let's set that up for sure. Absolutely. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, I look forward to seeing you maybe Thursday. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Let's get into some of our callers. In fact, see if I can find him on it. There we go. Bring in my co-host for the show so you can get in here well, he's working on it yeah we'll see if we can get him in in a moment you guys know his wi-fi sometimes gets a little bit crazy oh there he is there he is it's my guy sean spaces davis sean how you doing what's going on guys how we doing tonight doing good man um I got to talk a little bit more before we bring in another caller, which we're going to do in just a moment. Anthony Davis getting zero votes for defensive player of the year. Here's my, here's my issue. Here's my issue. Like, I don't have a problem with Jaron Jackson Jr. Winning it. Triple J, if you will. I don't have a problem with him. I, I like Jaron Jackson a lot. as a defensive player. I like him just as a player in general. I'm a fan of his. I'm not saying he shouldn't have won the award. I'm saying Anthony Davis not getting any votes just doesn't seem right. I think there's this, this feeling, particularly when – all right, I'll get to the, the game in a minute, but there's this sense that Anthony Davis has just been hurt for, like, every game this season. Like, he's only played 25 games or something. And I don't know where right. this is coming from. 
He played 56 games. Now, that's not a ton. Look, to, to be eligible for NBA awards moving forward, you're going to have to play in 65 games, right? That's in the new CBA. So next year, if AD plays this number of games, he's not going to be eligible for this award anyway. But then again, neither is Jaron Jackson Jr. Played in 63 games this season. Now, the NBA is going to allow some flexibility in there, so maybe he would find a way to get through. But it's not like Jaron Jackson played in 82 games and Anthony Davis played in 40, and so therefore that needs to disqualify him. No, AD played in 56 games. Jaron Jackson played in 63. That's the gap between the two in terms of games. Again, I'm not saying Jaron Jackson shouldn't win it, but how does that essentially disqualify Anthony Davis from getting any votes whatsoever? How does that disqualify him if you're going to give the award to Jaron Jackson? It's not like he played that many more games. And in fact, if you go in terms of who played more minutes, it's Anthony Davis by By a lot. lot. Yeah. Anthony Davis played 150 almost more minutes in eight less games. I mean, AD played way more minutes than, than Jaron Jackson did. And I think we saw it in game one, Anthony Davis at his best. And again, you can argue, maybe he's not always at his best, but when he's at his best, he's probably the best defensive player in the NBA. And you can, you can make arguments on it, but AD at his best in my mind is a different tier of defender than Jaron Jackson, who is fantastic. I'm not yeah. trying to say anything negative about, about Jaron Jackson. This is all about how insanely good of a defender Anthony Davis is when he's at his very best. I think he is in a league of his own when it comes to that particular category. So him getting zero votes, apparently on the basis that he didn't play enough games, makes no sense. It just it makes zero sense in, in this situation. Yeah, and and to kind of repeat the same sentiment that you had, Trevor. Look, Jaron Jackson Jr., if I had a vote, he was my vote for Defensive Player of the Year. If it wasn't him, it would have went to Brooke Lopez. So, um, again, no, not taking any credit away from the the season Jaron Jackson Jr. had. But this is kind of the problem when the people that are voting also create the narratives to go around about players. And that's something I didn't really think about until you said that. Because, like, look, we think about it, right? Who's who are the people that get to vote on these awards, right? For the most part, they're the people that get to show up on these hot takey debate shows on national television, and they get to write these ultra controversial articles showing bias sorts of player. Heck, they're in this is no knock against Walker Kessler, right? But the fact that like there is like people that get to vote that have like clear intended biases, I don't know like how you can fix the voting system, but like. The fact, again, that AD didn't get a single vote, even like a fourth place vote or a fifth place vote is kind of ridiculous. Um, and this is no knock against Joel Embiid, but dude, how many games did Joel Embiid play? Or it could have been a ton more than Anthony Davis. One, two, let's say Embiid played like 60 games, right? And that's probably my guess. My guess would be 60. AD played 56. You're telling me Joel Embiid is that much of a better defender that a four game difference doesn't matter and Embiid gets they got a third place vote and like a, a handful of fifth place votes so come Embiid on Embiid played 66 played 66 games so 10 more than 80 I mean that's fairly significant 10 more okay. than, than 80. He, he'd be he'd be eligible if this was sure. next year but still dude like no votes is crazy like and, and again what what's the narrative about AD Trevor's a trial oh, street clothes 
oh, he's not ever healthy. Oh, he just, oh my God, it's injury after injury after injury. Right. Which all those narratives get debunked every single time. And those are the same people to get to vote for MVP, Depoy, et cetera, et cetera. Like, dude, come on now. Well, and here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. When we're talking about Anthony Davis, I think you put it out there on Twitter, Sean, and said it's going to be, you said something like it's going to be a shame or it's going to be a crime if Anthony Davis never wins a defensive player of the year over the course of his career. And I look, AD is 30 now. AD is 30. Now you have to play 60. Right. You have to play 65 games in order to win the award. You got to play that many. He just turned 30. Is he ever going to win defensive player of the year? His best shot was 2020, if we're being completely mm-hmm. honest, like the championship year. And, and I thought he should have won it that year. I thought he should have won it too. Like, I, I thought my initial reaction was like, okay, one of the Lakers have to win Depoy or MVP that year. And the fact that neither one of them won it was well, a conversation for a different day. But um, yeah, like the, the fact that one of the greatest defensive players for sure over the past 20 years is never going to win one is insane. And like, you know, in my opinion, when Anthony Davis is at his best and like every top tier defender is at their best, Anthony Davis sits at a table for two and that's himself and Draymond Green, in my opinion. Right. You're probably going to mm-hmm. get like uh, criticized for that one, but that's just my opinion. But um and then, like, with some of the CBA stuff, I feel like it's a massive overcorrection with some of the things. Like, I kind of get the vision, but, like, 65 games, like, it's a okay, that's a lot. Like, I just don't think that's realistic. I, I know there's, like, some of the stuff where, like, there'll be, like, easier in some situations. Um, there's, like, some exceptions or whatever, but I don't know. I feel like there was some overcorrection. Like, you're not going to get an MVP who played 40 games or whatever, so... And so the 65 game thing, it also includes a, a minimum of uh, minutes played of 20 minutes per game in order that for that too. game to count towards it in order to stop teams from like putting a guy on the floor for five seconds and just fouling and, and subbing him out and counting that as a game played. Um, so there's that in there too. Like they, it, it's a push against load management. It's a push. Hey, if you want to get these awards, you've got to be on the court. You've got to play the game. And of course, you know, there's going to be some flexibility built in there. Guy sprains his ankle or whatever. And you know, okay, you can, you can rest a guy and still qualify and stuff like that. But, but still they got to be on the floor in order to win these. I like 65 is kind of a lot, but at the same time, I understand if you're, if you're, you don't want it to be so easy that guys can sit out the bulk of the season and still hit that number. So I don't like I would obviously would like to see AD play 65 games. I don't know if this changes it though. Right? Like if you're I wonder if we're going to get next season where star level players are actively having the conversation and publicly having the conversation about well, I want to be healthy for the playoffs so I'm putting the team above me and yeah. I'm sitting out. Right? Does that become a thing where players start where now there's players saying no, I'm you know, I'm putting my team goals first and so I'm sitting out these these games and flipping the script on it? and turning it into something where you're saying, hey, I'm being a team player by sitting out. Wouldn't that be an interesting shift? Dynamic, yeah. That that would be hilarious. But you know who's uh, – who's uh, this is music to their ears right now. What player, Trevor, that has been mm. playing really, really well, who doesn't miss any games, Mikel Bridges, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, all of that for him next year. <laughs> Oh, could you imagine if all of the top MVP candidates like that's my point? Luca, Luca, Giannis, all these guys play like 52 games, right? Like, right. And then somebody 
somebody not like somebody that's good but not great wins like MVP just because the top five guys like didn't qualify. Like, like, dude, this is my last point on this. Like, like, let's say like the Bucks are like the one seed again next year, right? Giannis averages like 35, 12, and like six, but he plays 63 games. You're telling me that dude, because he's off the benchmark by two games, is it the MVP? Get out of here, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. Interesting to watch. All right. Bringing in a guest. We've got uh, is DA Brandon or Dub Brandon. Welcome in. What's going on, Trevor? Sean? How are you doing? How's everything going? And uh, and what's on your mind this evening? Doing well. Just want to start off by saying I appreciate you guys, you know, especially when there's, you know, not games going on. I listen to you guys and I appreciate the videos you post on the off days. So just want to say thank you for that. Um, just really, really, really nervous. Um, you know, game one was a nail biter. <sighs> So you're you're nervous about about game two coming up? Game one was was indeed was indeed close. But what are you what specifically are you nervous about? Well, one, I want Darvin Ham to change the matchup between because we saw LeBron on Jared Jackson Jr. for the start of the game and in, in crunch time, and I don't think that's good at all. I know they don't want AD on Jared Jackson Jr. because it brings him out of the basket, uh, away from the basket, but. You got to guard him, especially in crunch time, because that's arguably their best player when John Morant's out. So I feel like, you know, Anthony Davis. So you're saying AD needs to defend Jaron Jackson Jr. Does that, I mean, AD had seven blocks in that game. Does that worry you, though, that Jaron Jackson's just going to camp out on the perimeter and that's going to give up your drives to the basket? We saw AD, you know, change so many shots at the rim. That's, I think, a concern there. If it's like, what else do you do though? Like, I, I guess this is this is really a question. And, and Sean, give me your thoughts on this. If Ja is out, do you go to Rui in the starting five and trust that Rui can defend Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit better than say Vando can? Because Rui's got another 15 pounds or so of muscle on him compared to Jared Vanderbilt. Typically, you would Jared Vanderbilt overall is the better defender. But in terms of specifically defending Jaron Jackson Jr., if you decide you don't want to put AD on him till maybe crunch time or something like that, for the reasons that that we're talking about here, it should it be Rui that's getting that call? Yeah, yeah, I would have a problem with that. My problem with the Jaron Jackson Jr. thing, and I'll break it down on in my article tomorrow for the website is that they let Jaron Jackson go one-on-one too much. Like, they were just completely okay with Jaron Jackson Jr. going one-on-one with little to no help. They kind of made the adjustment in the second half and it had some better results. But, like, LeBron was fine when, like, he had some help, right? Jaron Jackson Jr. is a really talented player. He he posts up this a, a decent part of their offense, So especially with no jaw. So, like... If it's if it's LeBron, even if it's Rui, right, you, you're gonna have to send some help and send a soft double team or whatever. Because Jaron Jackson Jr., looking at the tape, doesn't do a great job passing out of it, or as much as you would hope. If you're a Grizzlies fan, so I don't think it was more so like LeBron or Rui. Um, I think it was just like you let a really talented player go one on one, who's like seven foot tall, almost three feet away from the basket. Like, what do you expect? Um, I do agree, though. AD and crunch time, yes, absolutely. You got, you got the pseudo now best player, especially if there's no uh, John Moran. So I do agree with that part. But LeBron or Rue, you got to send some more help their way. 
All right. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's that's I think the biggest tweak. I think overall, we saw Darvin Ham do a pretty good job in game one. But that's the biggest tweak I'd like to see as well. Which uh, Brandon here is is mentioning that hey, it's you know you probably want to mix up this coverage in some way, and that's going to be interesting to see what happens. Particularly if no jaw, then you've got to commit some more resources to slowing down Jaron Jackson. Uh, Brandon, let me ask let me ask you this: What was the most surprising part of, of game one for you? I'm going to say jaw getting hurt. For sure. I don't think any, anybody expected. I mean, he was hurt coming in, but um, he was good enough to play. So I feel like, you know, nobody expected Ja to go down like that, especially in game one. And I feel like that puts even more pressure on the Lakers in game two. Because, I mean, what's the best case scenario we were hoping as Laker fans? We go into Memphis on the road and get at least one game. Okay, we got that one game. But Desmond Bain, you know, he shot terrible from the field. I think it was like six for 19 or something like that. Expect him to come back and have a bounce back game. Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, he's going to be coming in cocky. He's got the defensive player of the year under his belt. You know, Dylan Brooks, I mean, he's trash. But, I mean, you have these players on the Grizzlies who's, <laughs> who's going to be pumped up for game for game two. So I feel like, you know, as, as, as a Laker fan and, and being a Laker, you know, you got to come in there with the same mentality that Ja is playing. Well, you're going to lose. I mean, you got Tyrus Jones coming out, best backup point guard in the league. So, you know, I think it's even more pressure on the Lakers to, you know, come back out and get this game because if if they knot it up 1-1 uh, Wednesday and they get Jaw back possibly for game three or four, you know, it's it's a series again. So my counter to that would be that it's a series regardless of what happens after game two. Like, and I think you you did your job and then this is going to sound really bad, but follow me. You did your job. And whatever happens in game two is kind of extra. Like a win is great. I'm not saying you're not trying to win, but I think the word pressure, I wouldn't describe that as game two. I think you're very incentivized, maybe. Maybe that's like a, a cheaper way of mm-hmm. saying pressure. But like pressure to me is like, okay, you don't want to go down 0-2 or you don't want to like, is a winner go home? That's pressure. Like if anything, that's what Memphis has. I think I would flip it. Like Memphis, Memphis, you don't want to go down 0-2 going back to L.A., Memphis is a significantly worse road uh, record. They won 30, they won 51 and 31. They won 35 of those 51 games in Memphis. So being the, being the two seed going down 0-2 potentially to have to go to LA where you already lost twice this season. I think they, if you want to use the word pressure, that's the Memphis Grizzlies from my vantage point. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that the Grizzlies, they're going to play like their backs are against the wall. Uh, let me comment on that in just a moment. Brandon, thank you so much for, for joining us. I'm going to bring in our next caller here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, have a good one. Okay, so while I'm bringing in this caller, I do think in terms of the, the pressure, yes, the Lakers need to capitalize on the opportunity that's that's here, particularly if, if John Morant is out. But I think the Lakers can beat the Grizzlies whether or not Ja is in or out. Now, obviously, I think the Grizzlies have a better shot if John Morant is playing. But I think the pressure is, is on the Grizzlies to defend their home court and to play like their backs against the wall because you go down 0-2 and you lost your two games at home, oh boy, you're in big, big trouble. Right now yeah. you lose, you lose two and now you go to LA. That's really tough. I do think the Lakers need to play with urgency. I think they have to be careful. They don't look across the court and go, Oh, that's not John Morant out there. So we don't have to play with as much attention to detail. We don't have to be as sharp. That's something that I'm concerned about in terms of the, the Lakers, their mental approach to the game, which sometimes is hard to avoid. I think the Grizzlies are going to be throwing everything they've got. I would expect this to have a better shooting night shot three, for, three of 10 from deep six for 18 overall in game one would have to assume that probably improves, but I think this is a game that the Grizzlies simply have to have. And if you're the Lakers, it would be nice to have it. Like you took home court advantage already. I would love to see the Lakers get it done. In fact, spoiler alert, my tweet that morning, Wednesday morning, what should Lakers fans root for today? It's going to say greed. LeBron's talked about this. I think the Lakers need to get greedy and say, Hey, the Grizzlies, their backs are going to be against the wall. They're going to be throwing everything at us. But we've got an opportunity here that we can't pass up. Not that the pressure's on them, but they've got to approach this with a seriousness, with uh, an attention to, de- to detail. Where they go in, you go up 2-0 in the series, having taken both games on the road. Oh, man, you've put yourself in a really good position. Yeah, and uh, to your point about the greed, uh, it's not – to get greed that's us on twitter so uh I, I wish i could like quote it and give them credit not to get greedy yes stay greedy at this point like yes no let, let, let's go get the second win and then one last point about like game two let's say you win game two right you go back home you can still very well lose game three and it's still a series then right now memphis down two one they can win game four and it's really a series like even like the matter of the result of game two it's a series until like at worst, at best, game three. Like, if you won game two and won game three, then it's probably not a series anymore. But until then, it's a series regardless of the outcome in game two. 
Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, the Grizzlies are a dangerous team, regardless of what happens here in game two. But you can really put them on the ropes if you can take uh, game two. All right, joining us, we've got uh, Andrew calling in here on AMP. By the way, those of you who are listening here on AMP, joining us live, make sure you do follow the show. Just follow me at Trevor Lane, the show you're listening to right now. Follow, turn on those notifications so you get notified when the show starts up. During the offseason, which hopefully doesn't come for a long time, we'll have consistent times throughout the week, days throughout the week that we're going to be doing this. But during while games are on, we kind of have to schedule around games. So you want to make sure you've got those notifications turned on. That way you know when the show is going live. You can also follow me over on social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter. We'll post everything there as well. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. Trevor, Sean, how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, doing doing well. Uh, what's what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Um, I know we've been talking about this team and and how great they've been since the All Star break. And honestly, I've just I think that this has been my favorite Lakers team since the bubble, and probably even more than that that bubble team. Honestly, I just the for what they did at the the trade deadline. Westbrook some people liked having him some people didn't I think he wasn't a great fit but what they did to be able to get Hachimura and to get I mean to get Vanderbilt and and Malik Beasley and I mean all the pieces they they did get is just shown that this team chemistry has just gone through the roof it has been the most fun team to watch it seems like these guys really enjoy playing with each other and I I just want to get and I hear what you guys had to say about that team, that bubble team, and what, how you would compare that team compared to this team and which one you guys like more because I think a big reason why I like this team more is because we actually can look forward to the future and see that there's pieces that, that we could actually use. We actually have a, a D'Angelo Russell. We have Vanderbilt. We got guys mm-hmm. that could be huge pieces for the future, and before it was just LeBron, AD, and a bunch of veteran minimum guys, and we didn't really know what – what was going to happen the next season. Then you saw it was literally like everyone, but those two and what I think uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, the only guys to stay from that championship team. And it's just, it's just crazy. Or those, those are the ones that were making more than veteran minimums at the time. It was just a crazy transition. So I kind of want to hear what you guys had to say. So I, I have a hard time with, with comparing the two because we know the result. From, from one team, from 2020, right? They they won a championship. Um, and so that, I, I think, is, is going to supersede what we're seeing r- happen right now, uh, in, in my mind. I really appreciated the way that team, you know, you lost your starting two guard in Avery Bradley, and you didn't skip a beat. Like, that's, that's really tough to do. I also think that team, to me, they blew me away as an outlier team, and maybe this team will get there, this current team. But they blew me away that, from day one of training camp, they had instant chemistry. Like they knew exactly what everyone on the role on the team's role was, which is really tough. We've seen that over the last couple of seasons, how difficult it is to put essentially a brand new team together and expect to have any kind of chemistry. That 2019-2020 team was a brand new team and had chemistry from day one. Everybody understood their role, all their roles fit, everything worked, worked great. And so I've got a lot of appreciation for that team for their physical dominance, the way they just said, you know what? This is what we are. We are bigger, stronger, faster than our opponents. We might play some teams that shoot better. We might play some teams that fa- that pass better, but we are going to use the advantages that we have and we're going to come right at you and you're not going to be able to stop us. And so that team to me, 
is they will always, and of course, on, on top of that, you mix in the, the Kobe situation, everything that went on there, the win it for Kobe mentality, the vibe that carried them all the way through the, the playoffs, um, COVID, that team's always going to have a special place in, in my heart. So I can't put this group that we've seen for a few months now ahead of that one. However, I think, and I think this is what, what you are, are noticing, Andrew, is this team may have that similar something where they have instant chemistry. We've seen this group work really well together, particularly the starting five that includes Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, LeBron AD, Vando. They play so well together, and we'll see ultimately where this takes them, but they do have that chemistry. They do have that joy. They do have that, that fun playing, and so it reminds me of that team. I just can't say they're ahead of that team yet because that team did so many things that meant so much. Um, but I get where you're coming from. Sean, are we, are we just waxing poetic at this point or, or do you <laughs> get the same vibe from this team that we got from the 2019, 2020 championship? Team? Right. Yeah. I get it. I get a similar vibe for sure. It's super hard to like compare the two in the moment. Like, like kind of like you said, I feel like that's uh, maybe a cop out, but it's the truth. Like if the Lakers, I'll say this the Lakers can get there. This team can get to that level where, like the adversity, the two intense start. You may, like, I think this team has like the story, like that, that feel good potential, feel good ending. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, yeah, this team is it is right next to like, uh, like you guys mentioned, the, the, the trade deadline, the instant chemistry that you win, what, like 19 of your last 26 games to become the seven seed. You go on, hopefully, you go on a, a championship run get number 18 finally surpassed that uh team in massachusetts um and the, you're you're up there for him but the, like you said man that, that 2020 team is super super special probably the last time you saw like prime lebron even though he's still like insanely good or i'll backtrack that's the last time lebron was like the best player in the nba um and then you got like still insanely good ad like we already talked about should have been the defensive player of the year that year um and yeah like the, the role players on that team like every everything just clicked with that team man like they they kind of like built the model that like outside of golden state everybody's like yeah okay it's two stars in depth there's two stars depth decent coaching will take you uh far away maybe outside of milwaukee too depending on your thoughts on drew holiday i think they're an outlier but um yeah so it, it's gonna take a it's going to take something really, really special to, to get past that team. Well, and that team too, I mean, they, uh, I mean, pretty sure that the whole year they never lost three games straight. If I can remember that they, anytime they lost one, they made sure that to almost never lose back to back, which is a testament to how incredible AD and LeBron were at that time. Um, and obviously this team, not nearly as good, but when you look at the defense that they've had since they've acquired the pieces at the trade deadline, you're seeing that similar that you're seeing AD when he wants to turn it up, he can when LeBron wants to turn it up because it's, I, I think that throughout the season, he's been kind of kind of holding back and trying to save it for the playoffs or at least save it toward the final stretch. But um, also when it, when it comes to this team and the, you know, they gave up Russell Westbrook, do you, I was thinking back and I was thinking, I know that they traded uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, uh, Montrez, and that 22nd pick to get Westbrook and a couple second rounders. And we look back and maybe that was too much, but 
I think it might have been like a silver lining because without doing that, we never would have got Westbrook. And then we never would have probably been able to get the pieces that we got at the trade deadline. And now we're looking at how great we like this team. But I mean, if we still would have had all those pieces, if we never traded for Westbrook, we didn't, we wouldn't have been able to get these exact pieces back. So, I mean, what do you guys think about that as well? Do you guys, would, would you have rather kind of kept those pieces, even though, you know, it didn't seem like they fit as well? Or I know that there was a lot of people that were hating on Cal Kuzma because he was so up and down and KCP would get real hot, but it was almost like a Malik Beasley. But I mean, even then he shot, had, you know, was better at defense. And I don't know, what do you guys think for, for that trade? And would you guys have done it still in hindsight, knowing that we wouldn't have got those pieces that we have now? I was I was thinking about this earlier. Maybe it was like the other day or whatever. But if I had to tell you, this is an actual question. If I told you, right, you win a championship, right? Everything that happens the year happen the, the year after still happens. You make the trade for Russ. You have the worst season in Lakers history in terms of how miserable it was, right? The following year you start off two and ten and you make a trade that wins you a title, do you still go through that whole process and endure the worst season in franchise history, but I tell you the next year you win a title? Oh, if you, if you get a title, yes. It's a, if that is the, the end result, then yes. And every team should say yes. And if they don't, they're, they're idiots. You ha- I mean, championships <laughs> are so hard to win. Like you, it's, a, it's a yes. It's a clear yes. If you have to endure one season of misery in order to win a championship the next year, you do it. Um, that said, you look at this, let's say, let's say right now you could trade D'Lo, Beasley, Vando, uh, Rui, Mo Bamba, and you could get KCP, Alex Caruso, you get Trez, Kyle Kuzma, and two first-round picks. What side are you taking? Andrew, what side are you taking? <laughs> I mean, when you're throwing those those two first round picks in there, it's yeah. it's kind of especially when you can see what Kyle Kyle Kuzma kind of turned into, uh-huh. um, and KCP still that great defender. I'm probably still going with that, but that's that's a tough one. It's it's tough. I'd probably still go with the the latter though. Right. Yeah, I, I'm probably sticking with the with the guy with KCP with Caruso with Kuzma with, with all those. And I, I I think I because of the two firsts, because you're getting two two firsts in, in the deal, because that's you have to factor that in because they gave up a first okay. in the deal to get Russ, and then you gave up a first to get off of Russ. So I'm I'm going with the the previous group, even though I think that I think the Lakers did a, a tremendous job. I think they did a tremendous job. Obviously, that's not the situation that was in front of them, but I think they did a great job getting the pieces that they got. If you told me there's no picks involved, I'm probably getting the group that they've got right now. I think I'd still, while it's a lot closer, I think I'd take the group we have now. And the only reason why is because like you had to take it as like the Kyle Kuzma when he left, the, the KCP, although KCP hasn't like gotten as much like gone that much better i mean he's been great in denver by the way the, the fit is phenomenal mm-hmm. but like kyle kuzma more likely than not does not have that blow up if he's in la playing next to lebron ad and that's like the if, if you could promise me or i don't know what use the word promise but like i don't know i i just don't think it's likely that we get close to that level of play from kuz 
that he's been able to play it in Washington these last two years if he sticks around in, in L.A. So for I, that reason, I probably still stick with this group that we have now. I will say that it's close. I think it's close. I agree. And and the fact that it's close speaks to how well the Lakers did at the trade deadline, considering yeah. where they were. Considering where they were. The fact that that's close, that's, that's insane. Like, that's incredible, considering it, it looked like they were sunk, right? After that West, I mean, that was considered one of the, that is one of the worst trades we've seen, right? Period. In, in the NBA, I don't, I'm not going to say it's the worst, but that was a bad trade for the Lakers. And to undo that in a week, two weeks before the trade deadline, if you want to include the Rui move, that's, that's pretty incredible. So again, that I think it speaks to how well they did there. Um, Andrew, any, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate you taking my call. My last thing I'd have to say is I've, I'm one of those guys that is, is always looking to the future. Um, as a Laker fan, I know that once Kobe tore his Achilles, I was looking at his decline and being like, Oh, you know, wondering who that next guy was going to be. Um, I wondered if you guys look towards the future and see who the next guy or guys could be. I know that LeBron and, uh, AD, it says here on the 2025 free agent class, they will be free agents. So will Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But besides that, it's Ben Simmons and Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram. It's not many guys that are really alf, true alphas. Um, but I do know that the 2026 season, um, or 2026, um, when that comes around, it's Steph and Jimmy Butler and KD and Giannis and, you know, Rudy and Shea Gilgis. So um, just kind of wondering if you guys have looked ahead towards that, the future um, when LeBron and possibly AD, who knows if he'll be here, but you know, LeBron's probably got two more years left, um, two to three more years left. And at that point it's, you know, Lakers go for the big fish. And so I would really like to get, you know, Jason Tatum or maybe a Shea Gilgis Alexander, but um, just kind of would want to hear what you guys had to say about that. But again, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, and I'm listening to Lakers Nation every day, and um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Trevor, and thank you, Sean. Well, thank yeah, you. Andrew. Very, very, very much appreciated, uh, and uh, and have a great night. Thank you, you guys too. Okay, so thoughts on that for the future, Sean? What? I mean, he said Jason Tatum, and I went, "Yes, that's like because not only are you get are you bringing him to the Lakers, and he's a Kobe fan, and you undo a past wrong and everything, but to take him away from the Celtics, oh man, that 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 would be that would be my pick." I heard Tatum, I heard SGA, I heard Giannis. I think every time my eyes just like lit up. Um, <laughs> is it enough to say like I think AD is your guy? Have we seen enough now? To say AD with other players can be the guy. I think he can't like that's where this team's depth helps because if we're saying AD is not going to play 60, but 60 plus games or whatever, right? Like you need other guys that can get some stuff done for you um, when he's not on the floor. But like I said earlier, though, AD just turned 30. Like if we're talking two seasons from now, AD's 32 going on 33. I think it becomes all the more imperative that you get another guy in sure. because I don't like AD is not the guy that's going to carry the franchise for the next 10 years. He's, no. he's not going to do that five years, maybe five years, maybe, but 10 he's not. So I, I still think you've got to look to add another play. You can't just say, well, we've got AD and, and we're good. And that's, that's our star. And maybe it's, you find somebody in the draft. Maybe it's, you find somebody via trade, but 
uh, or, or it could be free agency, but I think you do need to go out and get somebody. I don't think AD can be your long-term fix. He could be a bridge guy between LeBron and whoever you get next, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when's Jalen Brown a free agent? Is that 2025? Is that same year? Or is that 24? Some of that may depend on the awards this year, actually, because that can put him into a higher category. He is a free agent in 2024 currently, but he's up for an extension. And if he gets, if he gets all NBA, then he gets up to that, that, uh, that super max. To the point where it makes sense for him to stay. Yes. Like, like money wise, financially makes sense for him to stay if he gets all NBA. Yep. So yeah, but he's another interesting one. That, that you could look at yeah you could look at him um all right let me bring in another guest here i'm curious i, I should probably put that out there on twitter the um <laughs> the which side would you take two first Wait. plus those guys or uh, uh, the current team yeah. yeah i think it'll be pretty yeah. even I, I think a lot of people will probably take the the two first because of the two first honestly hmm. yeah yeah they might uh, Senpai NFT, join it in. How are you doing, man? Uh, just watching this uh, Warriors-Kings game. Who's winning? I'm not watching it. Uh, currently, the Kings are winning. The Warriors are looking... Uh, they're looking like the road game Warriors that they've looked like all season. So, Yeah, they're currently up uh, 71-64 as we speak here. Now 72-64. So... Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, the Warriors need to try to get a win here to get a split, but uh, that's going to be a fun series. Uh, what's What are your thoughts on the Lakers, Grizzlies so far? What would you like out of game one? Yeah, so I, I think the thing I liked out of game one the most was probably um, LeBron's defense. Uh, I think your tweet ahead of the game kind of like said a lot in terms of the team follows his lead defensively. Uh which, you know, makes sense, you know, when you like, that's just how basketball is. If your leader locks in on defense, everybody else puts in more effort. Like you see LeBron get a chase down block. And then next thing you know, Reeves is getting a block on Bane that he's chasing around a screen and blocking with like his fingertip. Like that's just all that intensity stuff really just starts with your lead guy. Um, Anthony Davis obviously was elite as he is uh, defensively. So, but that was my biggest takeaway like we get if we get that version of lebron defensively every game then i think we're going to be a force on the defensive end throughout the playoffs agreed agreed you know it's funny and it just shows kind of the the standard that lebron is held to and maybe sometimes what we focus on too much i actually thought lebron had a really good game but people look at his at his stat line and they go oh well he didn't score 30 points so it wasn't that great of a game or i thought he made a huge impact without being the guy that had to score the ball every single possession or the guy that had to get assists. And he had a couple of bad turnovers. Like, there's no no question about that. But his defensive uh, energy and just how motivated he was on that end of the floor was so noticeable. Again, the three blocks, the two steals. He had a really, really impactful game while scoring. And it sounds weird saying this, only 21 points. But that's just how high LeBron has set the bar for himself over the years. Yeah, yeah, and like to that point, um, with the turnovers, even like I, I looked at his turnovers specifically, like the ones where like you're trying to make a play, and like I can kind of see the vision there. Like I'm more willing to live with those turnovers. Like 
the one where uh, he tries to throw it ahead to AD off of a block, and Ja just makes it a freak athlete play. I'm fine with that turnover. The one in transit, a semi-transition, AD's ahead of Ja and Dylan Brooks. Xavier Tillman makes like a safety play and just great hands on uh, great uh, hands and makes a heck of a read, right? The the ones you have a problem with, like the unforced ones where he tries to make the behind the back pass, which is one of the worst behind the backs I've ever seen from LeBron James. Um, so um, yeah, LeBron was really, really good defensively. He only had like one or two defensive moments. Where I was like, yeah, that's like the, the Jaren one, the Jaron Jackson threes in the fourth, where it was a short closeout. Um, so no LeBron, he was really, really good defensively, and he's had a really good game, too. Um, and if you can he, – he took one shot in the fourth quarter. How many times are we going to expect LeBron to take one fourth quarter shot in a game where neither him or AD w- was able to get to the foul line as much as you would hope? So, I, yeah, it was a fine – a good game from LeBron for sure. And, I mean, I think that's that's a good thing for the Lakers that – LeBron yep, yep. only took one shot in the fourth because Reeves had it going, Rui had it going. Like, I think traditionally, you know, a lot of times in the past, it's been like there's been a tradition to go to LeBron ball in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I mean, he's older now. Like, LeBron, like him being willing to let the other guys uh, cook up, you know, when they got it going is, is going to be huge just for the team, the offense, the continuity going forward. Really quick, because I see Trevor, you're like biting at the bit to say something. To his point, the one shot LeBron did take is about as a in rhythm three I've seen LeBron take in a long time in a Lakers uniform. And why? Because he was off ball. It was a D'Lo 80 pick and roll. The way we scouted on, on the YouTube channel, the, the Grizzlies defense, they helped off exactly how we say that LeBron got a, a wide open in rhythm three and he drills it. Like if you can get that more, you see LeBron is like a off-ball floor spacer is insane. He shot like 40% from three over the past 10 games, but go ahead, Trev. No, I I loved what we saw at the end of that game. One of my pet peeves in, in the NBA is when we see teams, they get a lead and they go into ISO, slow it down basketball on the offensive end for the final five, six minutes, whatever it is. Usually more than they should. Usually more minutes than they should. And the whole thing is, we're going to give our star the ball. We're going to let him dribble for 20 of the 24 seconds, and then he's going to try to create one-on-one because the fear is, uh-oh, if he gives the ball up, he's not going to get it back, and then that's, that's going to be a big problem, right? So we're just, going to, we're just going to give him the ball, and he's just going to dribble the air out of it, and then we'll let him take the shot. Well, guess what? You usually wind up taking worse shots than you should. You wind up with long rebounds, put the opponent into transition, and you oftentimes wind up putting teams back into games by going away from what was working. I give the Lakers a ton of credit and LeBron a ton of credit for saying, hey, this is working. The Grizzlies are paying a ton of attention to LeBron, a ton of attention to AD, and Austin Reeves is capitalizing on it. Let's continue to do what's been working rather than change it up and go to ISO ball. And I I loved, loved, loved that the Lakers made that decision. It was such a more enjoyable watch and more of a stress-free watch because they took what was there, what was being given to them. And you're, you're right. Look, most stars would not be willing to do that. Most stars would say, give me the ball. I'm the guy. Instead, Austin got his opportunity to shine, and it was the correct decision to make for the Lakers as a team to win that game. I loved it. Loved what we saw there. 
Yep. Yeah. And I'm just in complete agreement. You know, it's, it's hopefully we keep it going and we don't return more to hero ball at the end, but you know, it's, I guess we'll see. Um, but it's the Lakers have a lot of guys that can, that can do that. It's not just Reeves. It's not just Rui, you know, D'Lo, Dennis, like they got multiple guys capable of like legit closing games scoring wise. Um, so, so that'll be good. I kind of wanted to touch a bit on the, the, I guess the the starting lineup, assuming Jaw isn't going to play, um, I don't think that we should really be seeing a lot of Vanderbilt just because uh, his offensive limitations only get negated if his defense is impactful enough. And with no Jaw, I don't think it's going to be like it's there's not somebody that he can really guard out there to truly like shut down that is going to negate his offensive limitations. Um, so. I personally am a fan of them starting Dennis, and here's why. I, I'm I'm voting for bringing back the three guard lineup, as dreaded as it is. But mm-hmm. in 200 possessions this season, Dennis, D'Lo, and Reeves on the floor together are a plus 46. Which how many possessions? 200. Okay. Okay. It it sounds completely like outrageous, but they're a plus forty six. It's on both ends of the floor. It's elite, and just matchup wise, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Dennis guarding Tyus Jones is easily our best option um, for guarding him. Reeves on Bain was good last last game, so changing that up isn't something I'd really like to do. Which we would have to change if, uh, like, assuming that we'd end up having to move Reeves on the Tyus because D'Lo isn't going to guard Tyus. Um, so we'd end up having to move D'Lo on the Bane. But this way you can put Dennis uh, on Tyus. You can put Reeves on Bane still. You can keep hiding D'Lo on Dylan Brooks. And then I would personally switch uh, the matchup. I would have Jaw or not. I would have AD guarding Jaron Jackson Jr. and LeBron on Xavier Tillman just because like, yeah, AD's like blocks were, you know, huge in protecting the paint, but without the true rim pressure that John Morant provides, the Grizzlies rim pressure, rim pressure isn't all that great. Um, it's more like of an outside oriented game with the, uh, with like Desmond Bain and whatnot. So I don't think you're going to need it as much. And I don't think it'll be as needed as if jaw was playing for sure. My res- my only thing with that, and again, I'm are we are we hundred percent sure D'Lo can't hang with Tyus? Like I, I think D'Lo was just fine defensively in moments where he got switched on to a player you probably wouldn't want. Um I, I do agree with Reeves and, and Bane or whatnot. But I don't know, like like uh crap. It was maybe JJ Reddick. It was a it was a JJ Reddick podcast a while back. He was talking about that 2010 Orlando Magic team that he was a part of with Dwight and stuff like that. And uh, like a, the series with the Celtics. And one thing he said that always stuck with me was that like he mentioned how Stan Van Gundy made adjustments before there was any adjustments to be made. If that makes sense. It's so, like, I wouldn't like do anything like that, especially if it helped you and it worked. That was a big part of why you won game one. I wouldn't change it heading into game two, just because Jaws, I get it. Jaws, a big rim pressure. I'm not, uh, I'm not taking that away from your argument, but I don't know. I feel like like if the Grizzlies did something to somehow like negate it, okay, sure, right? And then you make the adjustment there. But like, no, you gotta you gotta go through AD still. Like anything at the rim, 
still has to go through AD. And then uh, my argument for, again, like I mentioned earlier in the show, with like Jaron Jackson post-ups, just don't let him go one-on-one and you should be fine, right? And you, you just help off of Dylan Brooks, help off of certain other guys, and scramble out, which Lakers thought did a good job of in the second half when they did go to it. Yeah, I think that I think they're ultimately even when we talked about maybe using Rui in place of uh, of Vando, I, I don't I, I think they're going to stick with the starting five. I think that's pretty locked in, and that's what we're going to see. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing some more minutes with that that three guard lineup. Um, I think it's something that you that you can go to uh, AD on, on Jaron Jackson. I again, I think we're going to see like like Sean said. I think we're going to see the Lakers go with what was working last game and then adjust to whatever it is that the Grizzlies uh, make adjustments. That's just what you tend to see in the playoffs, right? One team loses, they make adjustments, then the other team adjusts to those adjustments, and it's going to be on the Lakers to do that on the fly. But until that team forces you to adjust or proves that they can force you to adjust, you probably stick with what, what's been working. Um, that said, it's you know it does make some sense, matchup-wise, to go with that. I just wonder, does it? how much does that hurt you on the boards? Because you are, you are significantly smaller. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's something to consider. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I want to say we're, really, we're smaller, but I'm not sure that it's really that much of the case. Like, Tyus and Dennis are about the same size. You know, D'Lo and uh, Brooks are not too far off in terms of their heights. Reeves and Desmond Bain are probably close to the same height. And Desmond Bain, I mean, he's like, Six five six six, but his arms are so short that it's like it it negates him. <laughs> and Jaron Jackson Jr. historically is not a good rebounder in his career. Sure. Um, so it, I'm not, I don't, and you know, LeBron's a great rebounder for for his position. So I don't know that you know, as long as it would take you know them being locked in on the boards, uh, obviously. But I you know I don't I don't think rebounding would be that much of an issue. Um, I think I just think it would pose you know offensively things would open up a lot more in terms of having multiple creators and just the spacing. I mean, Dennis isn't a great shooter, but he's definitely a better shooter than Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I'm, I understand the concept of, you know, like not making adjustments if, uh, if you don't need to, or if they don't force you to, but we saw just in that limited time when Jaw left the game uh, right after he left, the Grizzlies went on a mini run when Vando was still out there. And Vando just looked like uh, he didn't really have a role out there defensively. Like it's, he was just, it, there, there was nobody for him to really shut down. Uh, he got switched on to 
Jaron Jackson Jr. a couple of times and gave up a couple of buckets. So yep, it's yep. one of those things. I I'm personally like I want to be greedy. Like 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 you were saying, like about saying mm-hmm. I want to be greedy. Whatever you can do to you know ensure that you really like step on their throats and take the win. Uh, I'm a proponent of, but you know we'll, we'll see if Darvin Ham has that same mindset uh, or if he keeps it the same. I have a feeling that that we might see a change in the starting lineup tomorrow. All right. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I, I, I do appreciate it. I'm going to bring in the next color. Always great stuff, though. I appreciate you coming on. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. So I think, it, it to me, I sum it up with, if it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at. I, again, I, I think that we talked about this going into the series, that if Vando can't defend Jaw, which fortunately I think he proved that he can, but if Vando can't defend Jaw, who does he defend in the series? It becomes very difficult. Like he's, he is so much more valuable when there's someone for him to defend. When there's not, it's he's his impact is is diminished greatly. So if, if Jaw isn't out there, it, I, I don't. I, I think that he's right in terms of Vando not having as big of a role. But to me, just to keep the rhythm of things, you just you keep the starting five the same, and then you just change the allocation of minutes. That's more what I'm doing if if I'm Darvin Ham. Yeah, exactly. I, like you kind of just alluded to there, I think the most likely scenario is you roll with that same starting five. If anything, if there was ever to make a change, I think it'd be like coming out of halftime. Maybe you make a lineup change then. Um, I, I just think that they'll probably roll with the same starting five at least at the start. Maybe you pull Vando a bit early, um, and then, like I said, but if Ja doesn't play, either way it goes. Whether he starts, sits, whatever, he's not going to play a ton of game two. I'd be very, very surprised. But that's why he needs to get in the lab with uh, the goat Phil Handy. So get in there, that's Vando. Right. That's right. That's right, man. If Vando ever gets that three-point corner three to just follow with a consistent basis, he would be He could just catch absolutely the ball phenomenal. in the realm. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> All right, we're bringing in uh, Mamba Mentality. Mamba Mentality, how are you doing? Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm here watching the Warriors game, too, and, man, that's a good game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's been a, been a good one so far. So far, we've got uh, the Warriors coming back a bit, but, uh, man, it's going to be an exciting fourth quarter. We'll see how this ultimately goes. But uh, what's on your mind? What are you thinking right now about the uh, about the purple and gold? Yeah, I had a whole monologue going, but just Sean's here, man. And uh, I kind of want to ask Sean something. Um, Sean, you steal spaces, and uh, how do I get in spaces? <laughs> we're, we're, we haven't gone away fully from the spaces name yet. Yeah, I saw Twitter spaces um, kind of similar to this, if I'm being completely honest. But, um, yeah, that's basically the gist of spaces. Uh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, um, things I want to start off with today is um, – I want to start off with what Ham said on the locker room. Um, ESPN had posted it as well, and it's um, every game will be its own identity, and I truly do believe that, that um, this game that we played will not be the same as the, as the next game. Um, so the Lakers got to prepare and um, treat it as its own identity and be greedy. Another thing is um, Desmond Bain's salty, what I call salty comments on Rui. Like, Rui had a big night, and instead of like just saying congratulations, he got the best of us, and we're going to try to adjust to be better next time. He said sort of like, uh, like, oh, he was lucky or, you know, he hit 29 and that's what the Lakers – I took it as him saying as the Lakers won because of that and he wouldn't have done that. 
on the Lakers winning a win and they could they only won because of that and I don't believe that I believe that the Lakers can beat you like that or we can beat them in many other ways which I'll discuss um, right now um, what do you guys think about that so I've got I've I actually have because I did a video for Lakers Nation on this earlier in the day I have the transcript of Bain's comments this is what he said he said uh, talking about Rui scoring 29 points he said that was our game plan going in make him hit shots and he did you know tip your cap it was probably the best game he's had in his career. It's a seven-game series. Let's see if he can do it again on Wednesday. So I kind of already gave my take on this, which, is, which essentially was that he should have just stopped when he said tip your cap. It's when he added in the best game he had in his career, and then let's see if he can do it again. It's It it puts the implication out there that he thinks Rui's not very good and that, that's, and that it was a fluke. Essentially, that was my opinion. I, I think it's tame compared to some of the other things that have been said, certainly if we look at NBA history. But nonetheless, I didn't think he needed to add in the bit that implied that Rui's not a, a good basketball player. But I don't know. Sean, did you take more from this? Like, should people be upset about this? Is this is this enough to be whiteboard material for the Lakers? Uh, I, I think the Lakers have more things to fuel them than that. I think there's a, a lot of stuff they could throw on the whiteboard. But I, I, I kind of agree with the same sentiment. Like, if you want to talk, and this was like when I was – on spaces ironically and like some grizzly fans want to have some comments about it like sure is it factually correct yes like that was one of Rui Hachimura's best games of his career right but like you said I would have just stopped when he said you tip your cap but, like great game or whatever right but like then we start saying uh it was it was the greatest game of his career it probably won't happen again now we're starting to get like condescending or whatever like dude okay now you're starting to insult me okay no like in from all this stuff like dude memphis just, just shut up <laughs> just stop like like d bane i like you a lot but like dude you have another dude who wears number six in the purple and gold they can't stand half of y'all and you keep giving this team with number six and number three especially number three who continuously gets to be disrespected by the league in general you keep giving them things to fuel them. Like what <laughs> me personally, that would be my move. Like Trevor said, I would have just stopped at good game. We'll make some adjustments heading into game two. That's literally PR 101. Like there's no need to go that extra step. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, and I kind of want to throw a little bit of salt back saying, like, well, I don't know if um if <laughs> I don't know if uh, Triple J will hit 31 or if Jaws come back, who's getting her jaws 25 to 30 points or you know, stuff like that. That's a little bit of salt I want to throw back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not wrong either. Like, you know, is Jaron Jackson going to go for 31 every night? He's really good. He might, but but yeah, I mean, look, this is on one hand, keep talking. Keep talking because that's just good for the Lakers. It's good to fire them up, but I look at this and I think, man, you've got this comment. LeBron is already fired up because he's, of course, going to remember all the stuff from last year and everything. But, and now you've got AD who is who now has to play with that fire of hey you, I didn't even get a single vote for defensive player of the year yeah let me show you who's the real defensive player of the year like the lakers have plenty of motivation in this game and i think it's a great thing so i mean if if i was a grizzlies fan i'd be saying stop talking but uh from this side please keep talking please just just keep talking cuz uh let's add more fuel to the fire yeah, and um, next thing that I want to talk about is uh, how, I, like I said, the Lakers have other ways they can beat you. They don't need a 29 from Rui. Um, so here's my key point for the next game. 
And that is um, the players that we know that can show up for the Lakers that didn't really show up need to show up. And um, those players that I mentioned could be like Dennis Schroeder, you know, who had a good – and I'll say, I won't say good or excellent. I'll say okay defensive game, but his offense didn't show up. Another one's Troy Brown Jr., whose defense was okay as well, but his offense also didn't show up. Um, he got a lot of wide-open looks, you know, the ones that Bron and the point guards like to give him. Yeah, he missed uh, the, the, his bread-and-butter wide-open ones. I feel like if he knocks a couple of those down, would be a good one. Um, Malik Beasley, you can't go 0 for 4 and – you know, that, that behind the arc and they're not getting any points at all. He was he was zero in his 10 minutes a game. Um, D'Lo, he actually finished the game good, but he um, started off really, like, not good. So he needs – so D'Lo needs to have a better start to the game. And um, I don't like actually, um, you know, making all the, like, blame on one star. I would like to share I mean, LeBron and AD. They need to um, – one of them has to at least hit the 30-point mark for me or higher, you know. Like, that's one of my keys also. Like, I don't like to say, like, AD hit 30 or LeBron, you have to hit 30. One of those two of our superstars needs to hit the 30 or above mark for us to win the next game. Um, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I actually liked how balanced the Lakers scoring was when you had D'Lo with 19, 23 for Reeves, 21 for, for LeBron, 22 for AD. I think it makes you less predictable and harder to stop. So I didn't have a problem with where the Lakers points were coming from. Like if AD has a dominant offensive performance and he goes for 30 or something, great. Um, I, I do think that when you're looking at, at okay, Troy Brown didn't play as well as he, he could have. Sure. I mean, he was one for four. So it's not like he was, you know, one for 10 or something like that, but one for four. And then Beasley was 0 for 2, and uh, Dennis Schroeder was 2 for 5 with 7 points. So you've got 10 points combined out of Schroeder, Troy Brown, and Beasley. I would assume that's probably not going to be the case in this next game, even if you can say Rui's probably not going for 29 or, or whatever. And that's, that's fine. That's fair. But yeah, I, I just I think however the points come, as long as it's organic, as long as it's being done efficiently, that's what I care about more than who is scoring them. But if you get a dominant performance out of AD, great, fantastic. You get a dominant performance out of, out of LeBron, fantastic. I'm not too worried if one guy doesn't hit the 30-point mark as long as those points are coming from somewhere. And the Lakers shot 53% from the field, 43% from three, 88% from the line, 10 offensive rebounds. They turned the ball over 14 times. But to me, overall as a team, I'll, I'll take what they did there, even if, even if nobody hits 30. 80 could have 11 points, and as long as the Lakers win, I don't care. Um, but there's one point I wanted to bring up about Troy, Troy Brown Jr. Um, mm -hmm. I tweeted this out. I forget if I mentioned this on a recent pod or post-game show. The Lakers want to go on a sustained championship run or a championship push, excuse me. They're going to need Troy. They're going to need just some, simply for nothing else's defense and just his off-ball screen ability, uh, off-ball screen navigation defensively to guard guys like a Clay uh, in this series, like a Denson Bain or a Luke Kennard to kind of mirror some of those guys' minutes, uh, a Kevin Herter, a Keegan Murray in, in a potential King series, and or a Mike, if you want to look further in Denver, Michael Porter Jr., KCP, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to need him for that because he's one of your better guys at being able to chase these off-ball screens. Um, and then like like Mama Mentani mentioned, he missed a couple like wild, but even the one he hit, it was a, a bank three. Trevor likes to say all the time, like he missed it so badly he made it. Um, but not like seriously, like the, the and the other misses were really, really bad. So yeah, maybe he really just missed so badly it went in the first uh the first three took. So um I, I know a lot of Laker fans are kind of down on Troy, but you we're gonna need him if we want to go on a, a big run here. 
Yeah, and that's the other. I've got a lot, a lot of Lakers fans were saying. I even have people saying, just get rid of Troy Brown. It was one game. Like I don't, I don't think we should ride the roller coaster so much, particularly when Troy's been pretty good overall on the season in terms of what great you're value. looking for. Yeah, great, great value. And, then, and same thing with Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, he put up seven points. He had twenty, but we've also seen days where, I mean, just recently against the Wolves, D'Lo didn't have it going. Schroeder stepped up big time. So, I, I don't think you take this game and say, oh, Troy Brown, he's done. He's not part of the rotation anymore or anything. I think he's going to have his moments. Maybe this isn't the matchup for him. We'll see. But he's also had some big moments for the Lakers over the course of the season. So I don't think it's it's Troy Brown is just done in the rotation or anything because he shot one for four in 17 minutes. And yes, he banked in that one shot. But, you know, he's 23, hasn't doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. Maybe nerves got to him a little bit in this one. But it's... I think you are going to need him moving forward. And so people shouldn't be too down on him just from one game. Yeah. And I got actually one more thing to say um, mm-hmm. that I don't really like um, know the, all that hype that people are with Tyus Jones. They're making it seem like they have a, Oh, we have a, you know, clone of John Moran on the, off the bench, you know, he'll fit in like in the destroy the Lakers. Like, okay, I think he's good, but it's kind of like the Lakers sort of saying like, we have, oh, one of our guards is missing MIA in the starting lineup. Let's go get Dennis Schroeder, you know. Like, he, he can fit in. He's a guy who started for us before and won us some games. I think, like, we shouldn't worry too much. Like, like oh, we have, they have Tyus Jones. Like, oh, he's a Kevin Durant. I mean, a John Morant, a, you know, prototype player. I think, like, we could still put Vando on him and uh, he could clamp him down. Or we can put Troy Brown, Reeves, even probably D'Lo, Schroeder on him, too. So, like... I just don't see the hype that the media is trying to give Tyus Jones. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Sean, uh, Mamba mentality. Thank you so much for, for coming on here, man. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, and thank you again. All right. No problem. Bye. See you. Yep. Okay. So let's finish up on that. Tyus Jones, uh, most likely will be the Grizzlies starting point guard. I don't think he's, he's not, He's not a John Morant clone in any way. He's a very different style of point guard. Uh, he's a very mistake-free point guard. He's very efficient. And he poses some different challenges than the ones that, that John Morant uh, hits you with. So I do think that he's good. I do think he has the ability to have some big games, uh, particularly when he's got the, the minutes. The problem isn't so much that, that Tyus Jones can't get it done. It's what comes, out, comes on the floor after Tyus Jones goes to the bench that's where the Grizzlies' lack of depth is really going to come into play. But Tyus can present some problems. He's not he's not an all-star level player, but similar to like Dennis Schroeder can have a big game and help you out, help you win games on occasion when called upon. Tyus Jones can do that too. So I don't think he's a guy that you can dismiss, but I also don't think he's – it's not the end of the world because the Grizzlies' depth is now really going to be hurting – I just think the Lakers have to be aware that, hey, there's some different challenges you're going to be presented with in defending Tyus Jones. Not better. He's not more of a threat than Ja, but he is different, and you have to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure how this will quite work, but I, I would hope to see that the Lakers had game plan. Like, they have, like, obviously their game plan and their adjustments ready for in case Ja hopefully is able to go. Because, again, you, you really hope to see Ja being all right. But, like, also, like, hey, look, Tyus Jones plays. Like you said, this is a different team when Tyus Jones plays. And you have to guard them as such. Like, you can't go under a Tyus Jones three. He'll just pull up from three, and he'll make them more than he'll miss. Or he's he's just a better three-point shooter than John Moran is. 
some of the turnovers that John Morant had, you're not going to get those from Chias Jones. Again, the dude has led the NBA the past, what, six years now in assist to turnover ratio. Probably the best backup point guard in the NBA. Uh, I'd argue it isn't a probably there. Um, so l- l- like you said, there, there's some other things you have to, to game plan for. Um, I also think, like, again, if Tyus is, is the starting point guard, that's a lot more emphasis on your scouting report on a Desmond Bain and on a uh, on a Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and making sure that those guys don't get it going. You maybe give more attention to uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. on some of those post-doubles we were talking about. And I will say this. I, if, if it means that I, like, hamper or, like, slow down – Triple J and I can continue to, to play good defense on Austin Reeves. I will give stuff up to Tyus Jones instead of like letting those other two. I, I would rather Tyus Jones beat me than the other two instead of like where, when Joss here, you're probably saying the reverse of that. You probably rather have Triple J and maybe Bane go off and try your best to limit Jaw, contain Jaw. Um, but Tyus is a, is a fantastic player, fits really, really well with these guys and uh, definitely a different challenge for sure. Yeah, and look, in the postseason, much as I say, hey, that you know the bench unit is going to be more of a concern, I think there's pressure on the Lakers to take advantage of the fact that the Grizzlies bench is going to be so depleted, assuming Ja is out, nothing official right now. But assuming he's out, which is what we would imagine is going to happen, um, I mean, when Tyus is out, Tyus might play 40 minutes. He might play 42 minutes. But those six minutes or whatever that he's not on the floor, the Lakers have to really take advantage of those because he does have the ability to hit the three. You do have to defend him differently. The Lakers have been scheming to deal with jaw. Now they've got a scheme to deal with something very different. So um, be interesting to see how the Lakers adjust and if they're able to, to make that shift. Fortunately though, ja, they've already seen the Grizzlies without John Morant. They saw it earlier this season. So that gives them um, a little bit of precedent to fall back on, but all right, everybody. I appreciate everybody for joining us. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. But thank you guys for joining us over on AMP. If you're not doing so already, make sure you do follow the show over on AMP. We will do this at least a few times a week. Uh, Bring in callers, talk some Lakers basketball as we go through the playoffs. Hopefully it is a nice long playoff run for the Los Angeles Lakers. But again, thank you, everybody. Make sure you do subscribe over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. And of course, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time. See ya. And stay safe. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company serving collectors since 1945.